Hello and welcome to Bud Podcast. I'm Joe Walker, Head of Marketing here at Bud, and I'm really pleased to be joined today by Matt Wood, who is our Resident Funding and Compliance Manager, and Ruth Johnson, who is one of our BDMs. Matt and Ruth, thanks so much for joining me. At Bud, we're always looking to provide unique insight into key industry issues. And today we're going to be talking about hard close and the challenges that are associated with it. I'm going to get straight to it. Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot, first of all, and wonder if you could give us an overview of hard close. Maybe tell us, um, you know, what exactly is hard close? Because there could potentially be some new providers here listening in today, people who are new to ROTAP. And can you tell us the role and purpose of hard close and actually what happens if you get it wrong? Yeah, thanks, Joe. So hard close refers to the final ILR submission of the academic year. Its more technical name is R14, which quite literally means the 14th ILR return of the year. People often call it hard close because it means once that the deadline has passed, providers are not able to change their data for the previous academic year. So it's literally a hard close, no final changes. Just to give a little bit of context for new providers, providers submit an ILR claim every month of the year. So that happens on the fourth working day of the month and it's retrospective for the previous month or months leading up to that date. When we get to the end of the year, which is the 31st of July, providers are then given an additional two months to clear up their data. So you don't just get to August, submit a return and that's done for the year. Instead, it goes through to September and October. The October deadline is the final deadline. No changes can be made. And this year, that deadline is the 21st of October at 6 p.m. If you missed the cutoff, you've missed the final opportunity to change your data, which will be catastrophic for some providers. The purpose of it, well, it's got quite a few purposes, to be honest, and it's driven for the ESFA's data. So one of the main things is the financial reconciliation that's done by the ESFA at the end of the year. They will analyse providers' data and make sure that all the money that's paid in the year is accurate. So for some providers, this could mean that they've been overpaid by the ESFA throughout the year and they could have funds clawed back. But it could also go the other way too, meaning that providers have been underpaid throughout the year and the ESFA will pay extra. So that final financial reconciliation piece is probably the biggest aspect of the final hard close in the year. Secondly, the data that's submitted is used by a number of different parties, the ESFA and Ofsted, for example. Ofsted will drive their inspections based on the data that's on the ILR return. And the ESFA will conduct their financial returns, visits and audits based on that data too. So it's really key that you get the compliance aspects to back up the data you're putting into the ILR. One of the key things of ESFA audits is quite literally getting your ILR data and putting that alongside your paperwork to make sure that the two pieces of information match up. Making sure that your data is correct and particularly correct when it comes to hard close will ensure that you've got a better chance of having successful audits and not having future funds called back by the ESFA. Because even if your audit happens several years uh, after hard close, they can go back many, many years later and take some of that money back from you. So it's not just a one-off thing that happens every October, it's a continual process with the ILR returns happening every single month and making sure that your, your compliance aspects are up to date as well for many years to come. There's also a lot of other stuff that comes from the ILR data. So your quality measures from the SFA, um, your QARs, which are qualification achievement rates. These are key statistical data that the SFA will use to tell how successful the provider is, how many learners they have coming on to start, how many of those will complete, how many will draw. So if a large percentage of learners withdraw, then that flags to the SFA that the provider may have a problem. 
the data now is not just the ESFA. It's getting published in a more frequent and more transparent system. So that means that learners, employers, and everybody else, such as other providers, can see what's going on at every provider. So making sure that throughout the year, you know what your learner success rates are looking good. Don't just look at hard close as a one-off. Make sure throughout the year that you're keeping on track of your withdrawals and your success rates and take action where needed. Because when it comes to hard close, it could be too late to change that. The other thing that it could be used for, if we move outside of apprenticeships, is calculating future funding. So for example, AAB uh, and 16 to 19 provides allocated contracts. They may get X amount to spend, so let's say one million pounds in the year. If they only spend 800,000 pounds of that, the 200,000 pound surplus might go from the budget next year. So making sure that you're actually performing against your contract measurables is really important. And again, this is where the data from Hardcore is all driven from for the ESFA, checking that people are on track and that the performance looks good. That's great, Matt. Thank you. Um, just to clarify a couple of things that you pulled out there that might be a bit technical for potentially very new providers. Um, R14, why is it called R14? Are there other R numbers? Yes, so the ILI returns that you do every month, literally just called return one, return two, return three, and so on. So it's just another way of saying return one, return two, return three, R1, R2, R3. So August is R1, and you go right through to R12, R13, and then R14, which is the October hard close. And the R14 is the final one in that academic year, which is obviously why it's called hard close. That's right, yes. So you can reconcile your data at any point in the year, but after R14, there are no more reconciliations after that, and that's why it's called hard close. Brilliant, thank you. Um, so moving on and getting a little bit into more depth, Matt and Ruth, you've both had a huge amount of experience in the training sector, um, not just at BUD, but actually within training providers. Um, and also, Ruth, I believe you've worked as a nurse in the past as well, and you've had apprentices of your own who you've taught. Um, what do you believe are the key challenges associated with hard close, you know, from the other side, from within the training provider? So starting with you, Ruth, please. Yeah, um, one thing to say is when I hear of hard close, it's kind of a relief that I don't have to actually be on the cold face dealing with that hard close because there are lots of challenges, lots of things that you need to be thinking about in that period and and you kind of get to the point where you're like I know it's coming I'm preparing for it but it's actually being there in the moment and having to deal with all of the challenges from those disengaged learners trainers who maybe you know have have got a larger caseload who are really trying to kind of you know do the best that they can but they know they've got other pressures and other things that they need to do so being able to pull all of that data together, being able to prioritise um, and know what's going to have the largest impact on the success rates, on the funding outcomes, you know, on, on all the key metrics that the senior management team are looking at can, you know, can be quite overwhelming. So there's lots of challenges. Um, but if I were to kind of think about the key challenges, it would be that prioritization, the time management, the engagement and motivation, and pulling that all into a way that you can track and measure and use that data. Brilliant, thank you, Ruth. Um, 
so yeah a lot has come out of that that piece you've just said there and of course hard close is just like Christmas we know it's coming it happens at the same time every year but still it's difficult to be ready for it isn't it so thinking specifically about people with operations titles so operations managers directors within training providers what does hard close specifically mean for them in their job role Ruth? So for an ops manager, again, it's being able to have that impact on all of the things that Matt just spoke about. So they are going to have, um, you know, expectations from the senior management team, so from the director level to be able to have a, an impact and secure that revenue and also secure the compliance and quality because it's the compliance and the quality that secures that funding so they go hand in hand so for example it's knowing exactly where all the learners are within your trainers caseloads and being able to almost predict that future to know that you can confidently go and report to your directors that the, the learners who are on breaking learnings are going to be returning if they've been on a long-term breaking learning to ensure that progress reviews are still being maintained, that additional learning support is still being provided, but most importantly, evidenced. Being able to, you know, have a view of all of the metrics that influence that funding um, and that are a requirement of the ESFA in terms of the funding that's allocated is, you know, the key thing that you as an ops direct, uh, ops manager, sorry, would need to be able to to know and be able to kind of give that information regularly and at the you know drop of a hat almost. Mm. Great, thank you. So Matt, coming to you um, on the next question, what can managers do during hard close to maximise the amount of funding they'll receive? Maximising funding is important, but it's about securing those funds as well. I talked before about clawback and that being one of the major issues for providers. It's making sure that your data is accurate and secure throughout the year. I don't think you can look at hard close as a one-off thing. You know, this is our one up to our 14, making sure that every return is accurate and it's backed up by your compliance reporting systems. As Ruth said, the two systems have got to work closely together. As a compliance person, you're the one putting the claim in for LSF, for example, learner support funding. And then from Ruth's perspective, the operation teams and the trainers, do they have the evidence to show that they've actually been delivering the additional learning support? Things like breaks in learning, completions, have we recorded that those things have actually happened so we can put them on the ILR in order to get paid? Unfortunately, the SFA are pretty strict about it. If you had somebody starting in July and you forgot to put them on your ILR return, well, unfortunately, you may have missed that first live payment because there's no going back into the previous academic year. So it's really about making sure that your teams collaborate and that your data is correct throughout the whole year. If your data is good throughout the year, it's going to be good at R14. That's a general rule of thumb. Obviously, it's a stressful period and you've still got a lot to go back and do that reconciliation piece at the end of the year, but you'll find yourself in a much better position. The other thing I think managers can do is know as much about the ILR and the different error reports as possible. There are some really good ESFA documents out there You've got the ILR validation rules. These can help you to understand what the warnings and errors that you may see when you submit the ILR data to the ESFA. When that ILR is submitted, you actually get a lot of reports back from the ESFA. And understanding those reports is key as well. 
It helps you to understand your data and it helps for you to understand specifically what the SFA themselves are looking at. It gives you that funding information. It might even tell you where you've got discrepancies or inconsistencies. So I would say dig into that data and make sure you understand it. Do that regularly throughout the year. Keep coming back to that. And remember, our 14 is not a one-off. Do it throughout the year. The other thing I'd say is just ask around as well. There are some really good support networks out there. Um, you know, you can always ask the ESFA support desk. There are some really good peer support groups as well, such as the ESFA communities. I'd advise joining those. There's lots of ILR and, and, and data managers, experts on there who are really happy to help one another. It's a good place to make sure that as a compliance manager, you're able to maximise and secure that funding in your ILR phase. And I, I think as well, Matt, it's really good to always remember that it's it's a continuous cycle, isn't it? So whilst you're in that hard close and you're kind of concentrating on the R14 return, you yeah. can't forget that you're actually in R1 all over again. So, you know, you can't get too bogged down with thinking about what is happening in R14 because you need to positively influence the following year. So if your completions and your starts slow up, then that's going to have an effect on your funding for the, the next academic year, if you like. So as you've said, and you've said it a couple of times now, by being prepared throughout the whole year, it's not coming as a surprise, but you're in a better place. You're in a better position for it to be as, as least stressful and have as, you know, as least an impact as possible. That's right, Ruth. And that's the challenge with ILR. In September and October, you've got two returns to make. You've got the previous academic year and the new academic year all happening with a couple of weeks of each other. You've got to be really on top of what you're doing during those couple of months. Yeah, definitely. It just sounds like an absolute nightmare for anybody who doesn't have um, any kind of platform or, or system in place or who might be using a number of disparate systems. Um, you can just see how difficult hard close must be for those people. But um, I'm going to come to you, Ruth, now and ask you um, from your huge amount of experience, can you think back and put yourself into the boots of the poor old trainer here? What do you think the um, impact directly on the trainers is during hard close? Yeah, it's a, a lot of pressure on a trainer. I do remember hard close well. We used to get it drummed into us, you know, at every caseload review and at every kind of team meeting. We would be preparing for hard close from February, March time, you know, kind of leading up to it and trying to, to ensure that we're ahead of the game. But things get in the way you know you've got to keep those learners engaged you've got to keep them motivated to be able to progress in a timely way but life happens and especially mm. at the moment I can imagine that this hard close is going to be particularly difficult because they've had to deal with you know with with Covid and with lockdown and with furlough and you know the amounts of learners that have gone on breaks in learning and trying to bring them back there's been a lot of kind of um, attrition, I would say, probably with managers as well. So if it enrolments or it, it progress reviews, they've not been capturing those signatures and because, you know, they've not been able to. And then a manager's left. Mm. How, how are they going to get that evidence? So, again, it's always about ensuring that you're doing the right thing at the right time. Um, but there's all of the other challenges that come in with that. So 
the trainers will certainly be patently aware of what hard closes and what they need to do but it's spinning all of those plates with the added pressures of you know everything that's been going on that really kind of will impact on them I feel you know this year more so than other years previously as well. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure a number of training providers have been through some restructures this year to try and cope, um, you know, professionally. But also there's huge emotional pressures that people have gone through this year inside and outside of work. Um, I think that from all of the things that you guys are telling me, it would be great, wouldn't it, if training providers could make this hard close the last, the last um, difficult one by potentially looking at the systems that they have in place and being prepared now from you know um r1 for next hard close but um but that aside so hard close is obviously really a very busy and difficult time for all what do you think that trainers can do to help manage their caseload between that hard period of august and october um back to you again ruth so my piece of advice would be get it right first time go into that hard close with the minimal amount of work that they need to do in terms of everything that we've just spoken about in terms of the referrals in terms of knowing and reviewing your breaks in learning and who needs to return in terms of the evidence that they need to provide for progression and also additional learning support you know those sorts of things so get it right first time, prioritise, manage your your caseload and know exactly where your caseload is um, and, you know, what needs to be done to positively impact it. So work smart, don't work hard. Yeah, okay. And just thinking about um, how people can improve for next year, thinking about learning management systems specifically, systems obviously Bud included in that, and Ruth, thinking specifically about hard close and those challenges, how do you think Bud can make a difference? Yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> if I'd have had a system like Bud when I was a trainer or as an ops manager, my life would have been so much easier. Just going from the trainer's perspective, going back to the question you just asked, you know, about, how, you know, what can trainers do to manage it? Having that dashboard right at the outset to inform their actions, their working day, their working week, and being able to prioritize it and know what needs to be the priority. So not getting bogged down with the white noise and all the other little, you know, less important things, but knowing what your actions are. And with Bud, the dashboard, in, enables you to do that. Being able to know and review and, and have notifications with regards to breaking learners in those, those breaking learner reviews and bringing learners back. Knowing who those at-risk learners are, knowing who's approaching EPA and getting them ready and being able to show and evidence their readiness for EPA, as well as being able to kind of just have those touch points for additional learning support. So the evidence is always there. It's doing the right thing at the right time, every time. And Bud helps you to do that so that you can concentrate on the learner, keeping them engaged, building on their skills and behaviours. The knowledge is taking care of itself within Bud through those learning plans. And it just means, again, that with the system taking care of it, 
if anything does crop up, you're there, you're ready and you're prepared for it. So, yeah, with a system like BUD, my life would have been so much easier rather than all of the different systems that I had to kind of think about and yeah. engage my learner with as well and kind of get them on board and progressing. So without a doubt, yeah, it would have been a lot easier. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Um, so just to close and to thank you both very, very much for joining me today on this. So Ruth Johnson and Matt Wood are both on uh, LinkedIn. So if people would like to connect with them, they can very easily be found um, and you can direct message them to talk further about hard close if you wish. Also on our LinkedIn feed, our Bud, uh, Bud Systems LinkedIn feed, we are often posting um, advice and support around hard close and other related issues such as ROTAP, refresh, things like that, that are obviously of high importance to training providers. But thank you again, Matt and Ruth, for joining me. That was really insightful. And I think you've given a lot of very good advice for providers that, that could support them during this difficult three-month period. We're running a webinar later on this year during which we're going to discuss hard close and best practice guidance. So please look out for that. And if you would like to find out more about BUD um, and how it can support you so that next year you can be in a much better place with hard close, please visit our website. You can find a book a demo form easily there or follow us on LinkedIn and you can make contact with Ruth or Jesse Johnson. Don't forget to listen to our other podcasts. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye.